into this. So we're on a series tonight on dealing with the ancient world, but in connection with what's coming in end time prophecy. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And we're going to talk about some things that, that maybe you haven't heard preached too many places at all. But Lord, I just thank you tonight for your word. Lord, we love your word here in River of Life. We love the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We love the move of God. And I thank you your presence in this place but lord we thank you for your word tonight and that even as i'm speaking i thank you for speaking through me everything that needs to be said as as living seeds of truth that even now your holy spirit is moving upon every one of us and giving us a good soul of hearts and minds and lives and helping us to get locked in and focused and not distracted by anything but your seeds of truth sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And the winds of your spirit will carry this out among the nations, everywhere it's supposed to go. It will get where it's supposed to and accomplish what it's supposed to. In the Bible, we stand on the promise it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it for it to do. And the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we agree to go as a church. We bind anything of the enemy that would try to distract or hinder or hinder this from getting where it's supposed to or accomplishing what it's supposed to. We bind you in Jesus' name. You will back off right now in Jesus' name we pray. And, Lord, I thank you for your angels just getting rid of any of that and that this will be a powerful time in the word as everything will be accomplished in and through this time at your will to be done. We thank you for it. We thank you for hearing it in the prayers over these times over discipleship in this ministry. Lord, as we teach, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. How many knows that discipleship is important, isn't it? All right, so we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. So as I know, people are still getting situated, but as we do, please ask just for the next little bit, as little moving around as possible, and let's try to focus in on the word, okay? But I'm dealing with part two, and I'm going to deal with creation. I'm going to deal with the fall of Lucifer. And as we look at this tonight, there's a lot of things back in ancient times that you're not familiar with, going way back, okay, in ancient times that the Bible says will reemerge in the last days. Like, for example, in the days of Noah. So uh, we need to go back and look at some of these things, okay? And so. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. I don't think this will take too long, but I do want to look at some things that go way back. So I want you to think about something as we dive into this. When the Bible in Genesis comes on the scene and starts talking about in the beginning, God created the heavens, okay? Hashamayim in Hebrew, the heavens. The em is plural. So isn't it interesting that the Bible says heavens with an S? But then he created the earth, Haaretz, in singular. So we know that there's more than one heaven. I mean, even the first verse of the Bible says that. And it seems to be, if you can just follow me as I go through all of this, it seems to be, Paul said, I was caught up in the third heaven, that that is where God dwells, is in the third heaven. And so that's the place that is referred to in different scriptures, uh, like the furthest recesses of the north, it's where... In heaven, it seems to be in the descriptive term that it's probably quite large, but there's a place where it's like the mount of God where you go up, you ascend something, 
And there is some type of a temple in heaven. Did you know that? Because the Bible says that God, through angels, gave Moses the law, and he was to replicate everything that God showed him about the tabernacle because it reflected what's in heaven. So when Moses built the tabernacle, it was a picture and type of the temple that God dwells in in heaven, which is really interesting because when you look at the book of Revelation and John was caught up and he saw all these things, he talks about seeing the menorah, like the lampstand. Remember that? He talks about seeing bowls of incense. And he talked about a sea of glass, which is like the laver. And so you, you get this, this uh, feel of John seeing something like the temple in heaven. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then you see that the earth was in a destroyed condition, which God doesn't create things in a destroyed condition. So you have to wonder what's going on with all of this. And Jesus talked about how he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning to the earth. And so when you look at that, Satan, Lucifer, was already walking around uh, during the time of the Garden of Eden. Are you following me? So the fall of Lucifer had already happened before Adam. And we know when God, when it, you know, we see the scriptures, Genesis 1, 1, 1, 2, you don't see there where God said, let there be an earth. So the earth was already there. So you have to start asking yourself, how long has the earth been there? And something I've wondered about myself, because the universe is huge. I mean, the earth compared to some of these planets out there is very small, very tiny. Why is God so interested in this earth? <laughs> Have you ever wondered that? I mean, it's amazing. To the degree, that I'm getting off on a rabbit trail here, but in the very end of all things, the Bible says the dwelling of God himself is going to come down to this earth and be with man forever. Why in the world has he chosen this place? There's all these other planets. There's probably many other solar systems. I mean, but yet he has something here. So this love that God has for the earth, and not only that, but I've, I've wondered, and is it okay that in some of this, I'm just going to tell you this is the way I see it. This is maybe my opinion and just give you that, and then you can do what you want with it. Is that okay? Because some of this, see, the Bible isn't real clear about some of these things. So I'm going to tell you what a lot of Bible scholars believe, and then others believe other things. But one belief that I believe, this is just the way I see it, is that there was something on the earth before Adam. And I think that that might be, where you get some of these really prehistoric things that you see all these dinosaur bones and things that are dug up that go way back you understand now, some people believe now this is a, another opinion it's not mine but it is different opinion that all of that was just destroyed in the flood and so it's not even that old that could be the case I, obviously we weren't there we really don't know do we but my opinion is is that the earth had something on it before Adam. And I'm going to tell you why as we go through this sermon. In fact, I believe that this was somehow, I don't fully understand this, but I think this might make sense to you as well, that just like it is right now, God's dwelling is in heaven, but the earth is his footstool. 
he has something obviously in his dwelling in heaven but yet he's replicated some things heavenly on the earth among his people and I wonder if it hasn't always been that way I mean even before Adam I wonder about that and I'm going to show you that here in a minute so let me just take you on a journey it looks to me that the earth might have had some type of creation something that was really beautiful and maybe these huge giant dinosaurs maybe on the earth before Adam I mean something was there and then what happened was Satan fell and God threw him and a third of the angels to the earth and then just destroyed everything in that and then and then the earth became formless and void in a destroyed condition and it's like a penal colony if you will something like a prison until God decided again to revisit the earth and put Adam on it and put a garden on it and and start over with him anyway we'll go through this but that's just the way that I see it and I'm going to show you why you can go to this if you want to but for the sake of time I'm not really going to read through all of it but this is one of the reasons I believe what I believe is Ezekiel 28 12 through 18 so I'm just going to give you my opinion and then you read through it yourself and draw your own conclusions but Ezekiel 28 shows us that when Ezekiel was prophesying about the king of Tyre he says you were in Eden the garden of God and so obviously he's not really talking about the king of Tyre anymore now he's talking about Lucifer and he said about Lucifer he said these things listen to this for a moment okay it's not in your notes you can look it up on your own but it said this it said that you were beautiful it said you were made with every precious stone and then it lists nine stones that Lucifer had and you can't help but think about the 12 stones that Aaron had but Lucifer had nine stones and nine has become the number in the Bible that speaks of judgment if you didn't know that he had nine stones and it said about him that tabrets and pipes were created within him which in the Hebrew actually means the tabrets mean like rhythms like drum beats or rhythms or tambourines some type of rhythmic and then the pipes speak of chords and melodies so there was something about Lucifer that he had a gifting in him about worship about music and it goes on to say this he was the anointed cherub that covered now there's different types of angels there's angels that that we know uh, that guard God's people and there's angels like Gabriel and Michael who's a warrior etc but there's a specific group of angels I personally believe the four living creatures and the Caribbean are the same okay but they're created look up the description of them because it'll it'll freak you out if I start telling you about it but they have like four faces and all this they're really weird creatures but these these cherubim okay are guardians of God's presence let me say again they're guardians of God's presence and these cherubim are the ones that are around the throne of God the Bible even in the tabernacle remember what is that a replica of what's in heaven right so around the ark uh, actually on the ark itself there were two cherubim that were made on the mercy seat but even in 
the artwork inside the tabernacle, that first layer of cloth that you would see, there were cherubim that were woven into that. And then whenever Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden and God wouldn't let them back, what, what did he put there? He put a cherub to block them with a flaming sword. So it seems that these cherubim are specific creatures. They're angels of sort, but they're a certain type of angel that seem to be right there around the throne of God. And it seems to me that they're the same thing as the four living creatures, so there's only four of them right now. But obviously, if Satan was the anointed cherub that covered, there used to be five of them. And he might have been their leader. Just like, for example, there's probably, I'm assuming, a class of angels that have to do with warfare. Who do you think would be their leader? Michael. So I just wonder. Let me just give you some things to think about. Again, I'm just giving you information. The Bible said in, in Ezekiel, it goes on to say, he walked among the, the fiery stones, that, that blue sapphire that has to do with God's manifest presence where his throne is and Israel, the leaders of Israel saw that on Mount Sinai when God was there and they went up and they ate and drank and they saw God. They saw that fiery blue around his throne on the ground there beneath him. And it said that Lucifer walked among that. I wonder if it wasn't something like this. I'm just going to give you this is my opinion. But I wonder if Lucifer wasn't the fifth cherub. And it says he was anointed. Now, that's interesting to me because when you're anointed to do something, you're anointed for service. You're anointed for a specific task. There's nowhere in the Bible where somebody received an anointing that they weren't anointed for something. And so even Aaron in his priesthood was anointed to serve as a priest. So let me just give you this. I wonder if there was, wasn't a time in ancient times way before Adam that Lucifer was like the leader of the cherubim and they were the ones right there around the throne and that it, the anointed cherub that covered, if he wasn't kind of would come up like this and he would lead worship because music was in him, if Lucifer didn't have some type of a priesthood. Does this make sense? That he would minister unto God because the priest in the Bible would trim the lampstand and keep the fire going. They would burn the incense in the temple. They ministered before the Lord. I wonder if there wasn't, is everybody catching this tonight? I wonder if there wasn't some type of a priesthood that we really don't know about, and it's, it's long gone. I mean, this fell with Lucifer, and it was over, okay? But something that he had, a priesthood of sorts, and... He would minister unto the Lord, and in that time, just like it is now, if there wasn't something in heaven and even something on the earth, because have you ever thought about this? Why did God throw Lucifer to the earth? Why didn't he throw him on Jupiter? Why didn't he throw him on Mars? Think about it. This is a legitimate question. And why was the earth in a destroyed condition? I, I wonder... If there wasn't something on the earth that was beautiful, and if it wasn't connected somehow to, to Lucifer's priestly office and what was going on, and when, whenever he fell, if you go on to read 
read it in the Hebrew because you won't catch this unless you see it in Hebrew. It says in there, by your widespread trade. Look up the word trade, and it's the same word for somebody that's a gossip, a talebearer. By your widespread trade. So what Lucifer was doing was he had a high office, a position of influence in heaven. And he was beautiful and he was powerful. He was anointed by God, probably to lead worship, probably to minister right there before God. And he went through and he was saying things negative about God to other angels. He was slandering. He was gossiping. And he was turning some of their hearts against God. And there actually became like a split in heaven. And he got a third of them. And Revelation says that the dragon, think about that. When you think about these huge giant beasts that were digging up out of the earth, they were these giant reptilian type of... And so the dragon itself, as Satan is described in the Greek, is a, is a giant flying serpent. It's a reptile type. Anyway, it says the dragon was thrown to the earth and his tail grabbed a third of the stars, meaning a third of the angels went with him. Could it be that there was something beautiful on the earth, but God caused Satan to have to stand there and be stripped from everything he had publicly and him and a third of those angels were gathered up and they were thrown to the earth and when they came down and they struck the earth I mean like a like a meteor or something like a violent force they were cast to the earth like lightning Jesus said that's fast okay they hit hard that God didn't destroy whatever was on the earth at that time the light went out the earth was in a flooded condition do we have any precedent in the Bible of God flooding the earth? Could it be that God flooded everything at that time and just destroyed whatever was there and Satan and a third of the angels then had to dwell there in darkness and destruction and it was like a prison. You know, we can make jokes because... In Australia, they do make jokes about this, but Australia used to be a penal colony, if you didn't know that, okay? So anyway, there's, there, could it be that the earth of that time was like a penal colony? And that's like the imprisonment, if you will, of the third of the angels. But then for whatever reason, instead of God choosing another planet, he comes down to the earth and he begins to speak over it that the waters be separated from land, he began to create things back on the earth again. And it almost indicates in the Hebrew like things were, like in the luminaries, things were kind of turned back on. It's not that they weren't there, they were just kind of off, if you will. But God began to turn things back on. He began, in the Bible actually, when it says the earth was formless and void, in the Hebrew, look this up. It can read this way in the Hebrew, the earth became formless and void and that's when it really caught my attention I personally believe something happened I think in my personal opinion that there was something beautiful and holy on the earth that was somehow connected to what that priesthood was that Lucifer had 
and in his fall all of it was destroyed and god had to start over now god came down and he he created not only everything in the whole entire earth but specifically in the middle east right there with jerusalem all the way over like to iraq and that whole area there god had a beautiful garden and we know it was there because there were four rivers that were mentioned and two of those rivers are still there to this day and it was in that part of the world that there was a beautiful garden and he created man and he put adam there and then out of man created the woman And we know the rest of the story. But see, Lucifer was there in Ezekiel 28. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. I wonder if God didn't recreate things and beautify the earth again. And it, it was to fly in the face of Lucifer and what he lost or something. Only, you know, when we get to heaven, how many knows that we're all going to have a lot of questions? And a lot of questions will get answered then, okay? And you can believe different than me, that's fine. It doesn't bother me at all, actually. In fact, you could be right. How many knows that we can have different opinions and still live, love each other and still go to heaven when we die, okay? All right. So let's just all get along about it. But this is what things that I wonder about. And I wonder why God didn't just leave the earth with lucifer and them on it and go and, and create mankind somewhere else i don't know why he did it the way he did it but he had a plan because if you read the bible the bible says that christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth so god had a plan no telling how many millennia ago that is finally going to be fulfilled in the very very end from Adam's fall to now is only 6,000 years, but how many other thousands and thousands and thousands of years back was this plan initiated and before Lucifer, maybe before he was even created? But in the very end, God's going to dwell on the earth with man and man with God forever, and it's going to be finalized. The angels that, that stayed loyal to God will be there. The, the true people of God will be in our glorified bodies, and we're going to be with him. For whatever reason, he has chosen that to be the way that it's going to end on the earth. But there are also, there's also a passage in Isaiah that's kind of famous about Satan. And it's the, the five I wills of Satan in Isaiah 14, 12 through 19. And let me add this before I get into that. Why am I talking about this? Because... I've already taught enough on Babylon, the harlot church. Do you remember how in the end now, right before Jesus comes, that there's going to be this whore of Babylon that has to do with the religious system, like a one world religious type of thing. What does it say? It's obviously going to be a priesthood of some kind with the, the decor, like what the, the woman was wearing it has to do with some type of priestly vestige and a golden cup. It's interesting because it began, in my opinion, it began with Lucifer having some type of a priesthood, and it had to do with worship, and it's going to be right before Jesus comes again, you're going to see some type of satanic priesthood emerge. It's interesting because even to this day, 
whenever people mix witchcraft and music together, it's very spellbinding. Why is that? Because Lucifer still has that power and giftings that has to do with something with music mixed into it. Have you ever noticed that? Satan has some type of uh, power in music that seems to be pronounced. All right. Now, going back to this fallen cherub, the five I wills in Isaiah 14, 12 through 19, Lucifer wanted to be like God. So the Bible says in Ezekiel, he was lifted up with pride and iniquity was found in him. And then he was beautiful, so he was lifted up with pride. How many knows that we better walk humbly before God? Because Lucifer wanted the highest place. And so God made sure and throw him down to the lowest place because in the end of all things, Lucifer is going to be under the earth. He wanted the highest place. God's going to make sure he ends up in the lowest. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, humbled himself to the lowest place, to the cross, mind you, and God exalted him to the highest place, to the right hand of the Father. So if we will humble ourselves down, God will exalt us. But if we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled, you see. So Isaiah 14 has a lot to do with pride. Satan lifted up with pride, says, I will ascend above the other stars, which are other angels. So other angels must have had thrones and dominions, but he said, I'm not content to be where I am, Lucifer was saying, I'm going to exalt myself above every other angel, every other peer. That needs to be a warning to all of us that just to be humble and not to think that we're better than others or we have to be exalted above others. Jesus said, I didn't come to, serve, or to be served, but to serve. And he washed the disciples' feet. There's a humility there, you see. And Isaiah, he goes on to say, I will exalt my throne above all these other things and to the furthest recesses of the north, he said, I will be like God. How arrogant can you be? Basically, Lucifer wanted to take God's throne and sit on it himself, which is interesting when you think about end-time prophecy because through the Antichrist, what is he going to do one day? He's going to have his little Messiah sit in that temple and declare himself what? To be God Almighty and to be worshipped as God. Is anybody seeing how all this is connecting? I'm talking about ancient things because I want you to see how it plays into end time prophecy and before Jesus comes. So in the end, Lucifer is going to be seen as this... this uh, huge dragon if you will but i believe that the world will view him as some type of of an angel of light like something beautiful and the world is going to worship the dragon it says that in the bible it says those words i think that a lot of people ignore that and or they just don't grasp that the world that the rapture is going to happen there's going to be martyrdom at some point the bible says the entire world is going to worship satan it says that and so they're going to view him as some type of an angel of light that they love and they worship, but his Messiah will be this Antichrist, and they're going to worship that guy. And they're going to worship his image. He's going to create an idol. And so 
all of this screams of how it was at one time where Lucifer had some type of like a priesthood and a ministry because it's going to end up again that he's going to be in a temple through the Antichrist with an idol and he's going to be demanding worship. And not only that, but if we're, we're already talking about a lot of weird things, how many in some of this have never even heard this or even thought about some of this? Be honest. You know, some of you, before you came here, see, a lot of times in churches, they don't want to talk about weird things. <laughs> I have nothing to lose at this point, you know. At some point in time, a long time ago, I just crossed the Rubicon and thought, I'm just going to tell it like it is, you know, love it or hate it. So these are legitimate questions, though, whether you see everything the way I do or not, and that's totally fine, I, but legitimate questions about how it was and then how it's going to be. Now, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at his coming, and as it was in the days of Lot. We know a little bit more about that, so let me just say something about the days of Lot quickly, but in the days of Lot, obviously, Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with sexual immorality specifically homosexuality was very pronounced but they, it was sexual perversions and so God judged Sodom and Gomorrah and rained down fire on them and destroyed it because of the sexual immorality so God has always judged any sex outside of marriage all forms of sexual immorality have always been judged by God so that's going to be he said as it was in the days of Lot could you have thought those that are my age or older, could you have ever imagined the level of sexual immorality that we're seeing right now? To the degree of stuff that's, that's targeting children, mind you. So we would have never thought it. We would have never thought it would get like this except the Bible said that it would. All right, then in the days of Noah, now this is going to be where it gets really weird. So if you've never heard this taught, it is in the Bible, and it's going to blow your mind, Okay. So just be warned as we go into it. But in the days of Noah, it says in Genesis 6, 1 through 8, that fallen angels, now remember, fallen angels dwell in what's known as the second heaven. So that's above us, but it's far beneath God's dwelling in the third heaven, but they dwell in the heavenly realms. And that's where you get things like principalities and powers that the Bible talks about, wickedness in the heavenlies, okay? But in the days of uh, Genesis 6, 1 through 8, it says, in those days and also afterward, it says that some of these fallen angels came down and they began to take human women under themselves and have sexual relations and produce Nephilim, produce giants. It says that, and it did happen. In fact, we've seen so many times all over the world digging up these giant bones from ancient times now when did that happen and why the reason that it happened i believe was because of what god told satan in the garden god told lucifer he said listen he said you've caused this the woman was deceived and then adam sinned and he ate of the fruit and he said because you did this thing he said you're cursed to crawl on your belly and many believe that snakes actually had legs and were more like a lizard back then, but they began to dry up and they had to slither about. But then he said that the seed of the woman, 
you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. So God told Lucifer in the garden, he told him that there would come a human man eventually. That even though Lucifer struck his heel, which obviously was the cross, that he would crush Satan's head. That there would come a Messiah, that there would come a Savior. And it would come through a woman. So it wouldn't just be somebody that God sent straight from heaven directly. No, no, no. It would go through the womb of a woman into the earth. And so Satan began to strategize, how am I going to stop this person from coming? Think about it. If you were the devil and you knew that somebody was coming to destroy you, you would begin to try to figure out what am I going to do to stop this, right? So the very first thing he does, Adam and Eve have children. They have two sons. And I mean, the very next generation, Cain murders Abel. Why? Because Satan was scared that Abel would either be the Messiah or through him would eventually come the Messiah. And by doing that, he polluted Cain and defiled him to where he was uh, not able to be that, if you will. And then he destroyed Abel and he was trying to figure out a way to stop this coming Messiah. But then we know as time went on, that it says in other extra-biblical writings, it happened in the days of Jared, that angels descended on Mount Hermon, and they began to take unto themselves wives. But if you study this thing out from the days of Jared, when it probably did happen, till the days of the flood was over a thousand years, that's a long time. And so think about this. What do you think that these fallen angels were teaching humanity and what was the reason for them doing this in the first place my theory is is that they were trying to pollute the human race to where they did not have a woman who would be able to bring forth the messiah because they were polluted by fallen angel dna that's just my opinion. Satan was trying to mess with things. He was trying to stop the coming of the Messiah. But I can only imagine what it would have been like for over a thousand years that these fallen angels came down and were doing this. It produced giants. So let's think about this for a moment. What would these angels be teaching? I personally think that the entire world of that time that it became over time a worldwide religion that these angels oversaw that we call today the occult, witchcraft, divination, sorcery, that deep, dark occult activity, I believe personally, is what they were teaching the human race. And there are some really brilliant minds. If anybody is interested, has never heard this, this is totally new to you. I don't have time to go on this big, long thing about it. But if you're interested in learning about it, there's a man by the name of Steve Quayle. You can look him up. And he's got a couple DVDs. There's three of them called True Legends. And they've gone physically to places and researched all this, and it's very interesting. But there's three of them called True Legends. And you'll see it for yourself because they physically go to places. You can go around the world today. There's even places like megalithic structures right now that are underneath water. How did that happen? 
And not only that, but there's these huge megalithic structures out there all over the world in Peru in several places that when you look at these, you have to wonder how in the world these things were even built. Because even today, with today's technology, we would still not be able to do some of the things that were done. Think about that. Huge stones that were quarried. I saw them for myself. They look like they were put together almost like marshmallows melt together. No mortar. And they've been there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, weathering earthquakes and everything else. And the steps on these things. You can go to some of these places to walk up a step. is so huge that no doubt that it was made for giants to walk up because there's no way a human, a normal human would just walk up those steps. There was something that goes back to the days of Noah where Satan began to pollute the human race and try to bring forth some type of hybrid. And I wonder about some other things. I wonder about these Nephilim. I'm not losing anybody, am I? I wonder about these Nephilim. I wonder about these hybrid beings that were part angel, part human. What type of power? First off, the Bible says many of them were huge giants like Goliath, huge. So if you go up to somebody that's more than 10 feet tall, because Goliath was at least 10 foot, 10 foot up, and you look at them and they're filled out like this, first off, a normal person is going to be somewhat afraid of them because there's no way that you could defeat them in battle, number one. But then I wonder about this because even in the writings of people like Josephus, which everybody considers to be a brilliant historian, he talked about these creatures. He said that they were terrifying, but that their voice was terrifying. And, and some of them had like double rows of teeth. And they, I mean, they were huge. They found skulls of these these creatures that you could put a sword through the eye socket all the way and barely touch the back of the skull because the skull was so huge but I wonder beyond their imposing physical size because they're the offspring of some fallen angel I wonder if they didn't have supernatural power about them that for example what we would call occult powers because even today uh you know, somebody that's adept in witchcraft can cause something to levitate or different powers about them. And I wonder if they had the ability even to, to try to read people's minds or to, to stare at someone and make them fall on the ground and they feel like they couldn't breathe or something. So not only were these beings physically powerful, but they probably were spiritually powerful. And they filled the earth, the Bible says, with violence. There's extra biblical writings that state that one of the ways they did that was that they taught human beings how to make weapons and fight, but also that because there were so many of these huge beings on the earth that they were eating up all the food supplies, so they turned to violence by literally killing and eating human beings. And so not only that, but the sexual immorality, the perversions that they were doing. So think about this for a moment. When God looked down and he saw the earth filled with this. There was bloodshed. There was the earth full of, of these ungodly beings that were not human, that God did not create. It was the offspring of fallen angels. And he saw that the earth was full of sexual immorality, and in my opinion, probably the occult, 
He was grieved that he made man, that every thought, every inclination about them was pure evil. And God thought to himself, I'm just going to destroy all of this. But then I have no doubt in my mind, God thought to himself, but yet my word was that I would send a Messiah. And that's what Satan was trying to stop. And so he said, I can't completely destroy the human race because I've still got to bring the Messiah. So Noah found favor in his sight. And Noah was blameless in his generations. In the Hebrew, that means his blood was pure. He was not part Nephilim. And so God told Noah and his sons to get into this, make the ark and get into it. And God destroyed everything that was there except for Noah and his family and the animals he wanted on the ark. And he started over with them. But you know what Satan was trying to do? He was, in, in all of that I just described, he was trying to stop the coming of the Messiah. Now think about it for a moment. The Bible, Jesus Christ himself said, well, when he comes, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Ponder that for a moment. Because in the days of Noah, those, I'm telling you, these guys that have studied, these researchers that are Christian, that are brilliant men, have physically gone around the world and studied this. And they have found that all over the world, there's these structures that are ancient, pre-flood, pre-flood structures, that if you look at it now from the air, you can draw lines to them all over the world, and they intersect on the same lines. They have stones that are set up that catch like the solstice and the equinox, and, and it's set up on the lunar every 18 and a half years. How did they even get this knowledge? It came from these fallen angels. And those that understand a little bit about the occult, my wife and I do because it's part of our ministry to minister to people like that. But the, the ley lines, a ley line is like this. So in the, among Christians, we'll get a place, like we have this building here, and we'll walk it, we'll anoint it with oil, we'll pray over it. What are we doing? We're dedicating it unto God. What ley lines are is where somebody is walking area and dedicating it to Satan. When you look at all these structures all over the world and the fact that there, many of them are on these, these long-to-latitude lines, and I guarantee you that before the flood, the entire earth had been pretty much dedicated to Satan. Those fallen angels were over it. They had their little demigods, their, their children that were down here. I mean, the entire world was enslaved to what we would call Satan worship and witchcraft. Now, with that said, that's my opinion the way I see it. Isn't it interesting in the book of Revelation, it says the entire world will worship the dragon before Jesus comes. Now, I'll give you some other things. I don't have time to get into this deep. But because of a lot of different things that's been going on, one of the things that's been going on is the arms race has produced a search to try to create what's called the super soldier in the military. And they've been looking at trying to enhance soldiers to where they could get abilities that are beyond them. For example, these are legitimate things I'm telling you that you're going to think is science fiction, but it's actually being looked at. Is there a way to take DNA from animals and splice it into human DNA to help give them abilities maybe they didn't have before. They're researching this. Is there a way to use technology? 
uh, even things implanted in the brain that could connect them somehow to think is there a way to super enhance soldiers where maybe they wouldn't need sleep they had strength that was superhuman they they had night vision or something so because of the arms race it's produced this and now listen to what I'm saying look it up for yourself this is going on and been going on for a while now the transhuman movement where it's a study on trying to upgrade humanity and be able to mess with and manipulate de human DNA. Now, I'm going to give you a couple scriptures, and I want you to think about this because I'm talking about things that were. So in the days of Noah, human DNA was being messed with. Jesus said before he comes, it would be like that again. So there's going to be extreme sexual immorality. There's going to be extreme bloodshed and violence, and, and the world is going to be so enveloped in, in Satan worship and the occult. All that's going to happen. But could it be that Satan's going to try to mess with the human DNA again like he did before? There's a scripture in Revelation. I want you to think about this scripture, and you tell me what you think. It says that the people of the earth wanted to die, and they, death eluded them. They couldn't die. You tell me what that means. Why could they not die? That's one of those scriptures that it's like there's something that's coming that we don't see yet that's going to mess with people. I wonder, and I'm just putting this out there because, see, once you're dealing with the Nephilim, you're dealing with a hybrid. Jesus did not die for Nephilim. He died for the sons of Adam. He died for human beings. Does this make sense? So that's why God flooded the earth and just destroyed it because he was getting rid of something he didn't create and was not redeemable anyway. And I'll give you something creepy to think about. There are extra biblical writings that indicate that the Nephilim, when they died, that their spirits roamed the earth and that's, you know, became demons. I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't say that, but that could be the case of where we get demons from. But nonetheless human dna being manipulated could it be because when you read about the mark of the beast and people take that mark it seems to indicate that there's no redemption or something it's almost like they're doomed when they take it i wonder what is going to be connected to that mark you won't be able to buy or sell without it i know that but i wonder if it's not going to mess with human dna and by taking it, it alters DNA. And if people are no longer considered true human beings Jesus died for, but there's something else, they are something that would be Nephilim in nature, something where their, their DNA is altered, then that would make sense as to why maybe there's such a strong speaking against those that take the mark, almost like there's no redemption or something. I'm not saying that there's not, but it seems to indicate something like that. I wonder if it's not going to be a lot more than what we understand right now. Things are moving quickly that way. The transhuman movement is one that seems very alt altruistic because they say things like, well, if you could take DNA and you could put into your children the ability to be able to not get sick, 
the ability for them to live longer and be healthier than they should, to have maybe abilities in music or athletics that they wouldn't have had, if you could give your child the advantage, wouldn't you want to do that? And it sounds altruistic, doesn't it? It sounds like it's benevolent. But yet, what are we doing when we're doing that? Number one, we're starting to play God. There's a lot of problems with this. And so I wonder in the days to come, because, and I only wonder this because Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, DNA was being messed with. And we're dealing with the time right now where they can clone and they can mess with DNA. And so just take that for what it is and think about it. But I wonder what's coming. So be careful in the days to come because I personally believe and I I strongly believe this, that there's a lot of people sitting in church every week that when the mark of the beast comes, I guarantee, remember I said this, because it's probably going to be, if the rapture doesn't happen before it, it's probably going to be in our lifetime. You're going to be shocked at the people that take it. Guarantee you. Because not everybody that goes to church is really the real deal. And not everybody that goes to church is really sold out. And that mark is going to really separate the real from the fake. Because the, the real ones are not going to be willing to take it. And the Bible says that they're going to be marginalized and even martyred because of it. But those that are sellouts, they're, they're willing to do whatever they got to do to be in this world system. But I wonder also, because of how fast technology is going. Here's a scary thought for some people. We're so used to now of giving up our own personal freedoms and privacy because of technology I mean whether it be in the days to come whenever it goes totally cashless and you you have to use some kind of a is that even going to shock you is it even going to slow you down you're just going to be well it's the next thing you know and uh, the fact that all of us now have a phone that can be tracked we're used to it you're used to the fact of people listening in on you you know as well as I do, they could through some different means. How many have something like an Alexa or something in their home, an Echo or something that is listening to you, man? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you know, you know that your privacy, could it be that gradually over time, like the frog in the kettle, that things keep being introduced, keep being introduced, not to mention the marking and piercing and cutting up of the body that is so fashionable now, that people are gradually getting so desensitized and desensitized and desensitized and it keeps going and going and going until one day they take a mark and they wake up and realize, I took the thing the Bible said not to take. And they didn't even realize they did it because they were so just used to everything going that direction. Does that surprise anybody that that could happen to some people out there? So we need to be careful about these times. And I know some of this. How many have never heard about the Nephilim? Did you know it's not just in Genesis 6? It's also mentioned in Jude. It's mentioned in Peter's writings. It's, you know, it's throughout the scriptures. And so I'm telling you that that's a possibility that something is coming. And then Luke 17, 26 through 30, the entire world... Back in the days of Noah, once again, as I said earlier, steeped 
in the occult, steeped in what we know as black magic and Satan worship, sexual perversions, extreme violence. And not only that, but let me give you this as well, because this is interesting. God told Abraham when he was on the earth, he said, I'm going to give you this land of Canaan. Did you know that Satan was probably listening in on that conversation or at least knew the information? God told him, I'm going to give you this specific land. But know that for 400 years, your descendants will be in slavery, but I will bring them out and they will possess this land. So Satan had 400 years to try to stop that. What did he do? The same thing he did in the days of Noah in Genesis 6, in those days and also afterward. He got that land of Canaan steeped in the occult, black magic, all types of witchcraft, and not only that, but there were giants in the land. So these Nephilim were in that time frame. The Bible says that they were, and it even gives specific names like the Rephaim, the Anakim, things like that. It gave specific names of tribes of giants that were in that land. The children of Israel sent in spies, and they came back and said, you know what? God told us about this land, but how are we going to live there with these huge giants that are 10 feet plus tall? I mean, there's groups of them. How in the world are we going to come in here and take this land? But yet Joshua and Caleb said, well, we can't do it, but God can. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me one day when we're in heaven and we get all of our questions answered if maybe Jericho wasn't like a stronghold of that whole land of Canaan. Maybe it was a Nephilim structure. Maybe it was like some type of a centerpiece of worship or something. And that huge wall was actually something built by the giants. And it was all dedicated to Satan. And God said, you know what? Before you take the land, I'm going to give you that satanic stronghold in Canaan. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there wasn't more to that city than what we really realize. But there were giants in that land. And not only that, but there were giants among the Philistines. The Bible says not only was there Goliath that David killed, but he had brothers that were also giants. My point is, is that Satan knew that God was going to send Abraham's descendants specifically to that land. And so he filled that land with, so, with giants and with all kinds of evil. And he wanted to create such a stronghold that it would stop the coming of Abraham's descendants into that land. Because he knew that that was connected to one day that Messiah coming. Are you understanding this tonight? Is this making sense? So wouldn't it, wouldn't it stand to reason that in the day that we're living right now, that Satan knows prophecy and he knows that Jesus Christ is about to come. He knows his time is short. And so what, what is he going to do? Number one, he's going to try to destroy the nation of Israel because that's where Jesus is physically coming to. Not only that, but he's going to try to fill the earth with so much evil. He's going to do everything he can to once again try to stop the coming of this Messiah. But it's still going to happen. Jesus will still come. So let me close with this. I, I, there's so much. I, I can't get into all this tonight, but just reading through it real quickly. 
But one of the big warnings for you and I, how many have learned something tonight or at least given you something to think about, okay? It's some weird stuff, isn't it? I mean, this is weird stuff, but the truth is that it's going on. And we look at this and we're looking at the world that we're living in and it's just so weird. I mean, I would have never thought, and I'm not even that old. According to Dominic Dean and Jackson, I'm ancient, okay, decrepit, but I'm really not that old. <laughs> but even in my lifetime, I would have never thought in my life that I would be seeing a society that would let little children be messed with and tampered with to change their sex and mess with them like that through hormones and i don't know if eventually it's about manipulating their dna or what but messing with them ruining their little lives many of them have grown old enough now to resent it and they're starting to sue the people that did it to them and i think that's a good idea i think they should because they were just little kids and now they've been sterilized where they can't have kids and some of them are kind of deformed where they're worried about they'll never even be able to marry and have a normal life because they were messed with like that. Who would have thought that we would be living in a time where that would even be permitted? But you see what I'm saying? The world is getting more and more weird and more and more satanic and more and more dark. Who would have thought in America of all places that the Grammys would have open things that Satan worship stuff going on? In America. But see, things are moving quickly down this path, I'm telling you, of the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Things are moving quickly. So let me close with this. The Laodicean church is a lukewarm church. We need to be careful that we don't lose the revival fire in us. We have to keep the fire burning bright. Steve Hill, when he ministered at Brownsville, all those five years he was there was so powerful. I happened to be there by the grace of God on the night that he left, and he preached a sermon called Cry Wolf. I was physically there. The presence of God was unbelievable. But he said, the wolves stay away whenever you build a raging fire. He said, you better keep the fire burning strong in your life to keep the wolves away. And let me tell you, we better heed that warning. Because you and I both know there's a lot of deception. We better get to the place, all of us right now, where we know the Bible for ourselves. We better know it because there's a lot of deception. We better get to the place to where we have a strong prayer life. And because of that prayer life, we have some discernment. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of things out there that are not of God, but it's counterfeiting like it is. There's a lot of deception out there. And the only way you're going to know the difference is if you know the Bible and you know the Holy Spirit, you have discernment. But the Laodicean church, many of them will be swept away in deception. The Bible says that there'll be a great falling away. It says that many would abandon the, or some would abandon the faith in the last days. And so there's going to be this abandonment of the faith. There's going to be a falling away. There's going to be great deception. The Bible says so. To the degree that they're even going to gather into themselves false teachers that tell them what they want to hear in their deception. So in other words, if they want to be a bunch of homosexuals or whatever, what do they do? They go get a gay preacher to get up there and tell them it's okay. And then they'll all live in their little deception that everything's fine like it is. They have their giant gay church. 
But how many knows they're not going to get through the pearly gates? They're just getting themselves some kind of teacher that's telling them what they want to hear in their sin. And it could be any number of things. I may devote some time in the future. I need to go slow with this because there's so much to cover in this series. But the Vatican is going to be a very key player in the days to come. The Vatican has been very instrumental since the 80s with Pope John Paul II in bringing all the religions together. This has been going on for decades. This is not new. It's not something that they just started last week. This has been going on at least since the 80s. So the Vatican is going to be huge in the one world religion. Probably even the, the false prophet probably in my opinion it's just my opinion will either be the pope or somebody exactly like that it's going to be somebody that pretends to be a christian but will speak like the dragon anyway i can't get into that i've taught a lot on that and israel is being prepared to meet their false messiah so as much as we all love israel and i love israel i stand with israel i pray for israel but there's still a lot of persecution against christianity and israel Judaism, rabbinic Talmudic Judaism, has such a stronghold there. I mean, a grip to where even the laws in Israel, it's actually illegal for us to go in the streets and talk to people about Jesus. Did you know that? It's against the law there. So there's, there's a stronghold there. And what's sad is, is that the coming Messiah, the false Messiah, this is what I believe will happen. I believe the Antichrist will eventually, as he comes to power, he's going to be like what's presented as a man of peace. And what's been in the world today, people say, we need world peace. What's the first thing you think of? The Middle East. You don't, first thing you think of is not, you know, America or something like Europe or whatever or South America. Or, the first place you think of is the Middle East is this seems to be the stronghold. But this man will be able, and when you think of the Middle East, what do you think of the most turmoil? It's between the Muslims trying to destroy Israel. That's the big battleground. The Antichrist will be able to sign a peace treaty with Israel to where they're going to be able to rebuild their temple if it's not already built at the time. And they're going to be able to reinstitute their worship under the law of Moses. And I'm telling you, the people of Israel, by and large, the majority of them will say things like this. If he's not the Messiah, then who else could be? Nobody has been able to bring peace like this man. Nobody has been able to let us rebuild our temple and worship like we want to until he came. If he's not the Messiah, then that's what they're going to be saying about the Antichrist. Because the leadership, the Knesset, will sign a peace treaty with him for seven years. So Israel's being prepared. Did you know globalization is on the rise? There has been a move for many, many years, and it got a lot of traction in the 90s to bring a one-world government. That's been very strong. And that my personal opinion is I think that's why Trump was so hated because Trump stood so firmly against that, regarding America anyway. He was a very pro-free America, and the globalists hated that. Do you think Biden is against globalization? 
I'm not sure that he really knows what's going on. I'm going to be respectful. But anyway, so I, I say that in love. But the truth is, I'm not sure he's really all there. And so he's just kind of there just to go along with whatever. I think that's why people want him there that are globalists. But globalization is, is trying to unite the world. It's trying to bring about a one-world government, a one-world currency, and a one-world police state. It's been going on for years. Also, you see the incredible rise of the occult, sexual immorality, and violence. Even in America, who would have thought we'd be seeing the level of violence in the streets and these riots that we've been seeing? And it's almost sanctioned by the Democratic Party. I've, I, can, I can tell stories of those that have kind of said things that have stirred it up that are Democrats. So anyway, and then also you're seeing the tampering with human DNA. The technology that's already there for a mark. Would it surprise you tomorrow? Think about it. Would it surprise you tomorrow if they didn't say, you know what, there's a technology now that you can get something implanted on your hand that all of your debit card, all of your medical information, you can open and shut doors, you can start your car, everything you need is just in that. If you get that, it'll make your life a lot easier. Would that, would that even shock you that that would show up tomorrow? Technology is at a place where that would be quite easy for that to show up tomorrow. My point is, is that I think that everything in the world has already been prepared since at least like the 70s or 80s. It's already been prepared to where the Antichrist could just step in now and everything's in place for it, including the technology for these things, which, by the way, a, a side note, it's actually the false prophet that implements the mark. I don't know if you read that in uh, Revelation 13. But let me tell you one more thing, and I'll close with this. Unbelievable. Who older than me, okay, so let's say the baby boomer generation. If I told you that there's a widespread belief in extraterrestrial life, aliens, what would you think? See, y'all are laughing right now. See, that's that generation. My generation, Generation X, was more, well, that's kind of weird, but okay. That would be my generation right there. Let's, uh, yeah, okay. But then the, the generation below me, you'd be surprised how many of them believe in it. This would be way too long and I don't have the time. I'll deal with it in this series, okay? But what is the alien gospel? All right, here's what a lot of people are now believing. It's getting a lot of traction. They believe this ancient alien theory that actually the earth was seed planted by aliens us and we evolved evolution we evolved from what they planted here and we're on a point of evolution and if we ever get to the place that we're either going to destroy each other or we get stuck and we need their help to evolve get this creepy thing evolve to the next level of our existence they will come back and help us you would be shocked how many people are starting to believe that and I wonder in the days to come. I don't know what this is going to look like. But the, the Antichrist is going to be like a Messiah to Israel 
He's going to be like the Mahdi to the Muslims. He's going to be like an ascended master to the New Agers. I wonder how many people will think that he's almost like bigger than life and maybe even alien. That he's maybe something, okay, like for example in the movies like Thor in the Marvel movies looks just like you and I, but he's not. The guy has powers and abilities that normal humans don't have. I wonder if people aren't going to look at this guy as being like another level of something that's more than human. And that might be where the mark of the beast comes in because it will tamper with people and make them have something about their physical bodies that they didn't have before. And maybe it will cause them to live longer and be healthier to where even death eludes them. I don't know. I'm just giving information. Then you do with it what you want to do with it. But this is, we're living in some weird times. I would have never thought also in my lifetime that, that there would be as much belief in this extraterrestrial stuff. It has become very, very pervasive. And it makes me wonder because of all the deceptions, I think that the Antichrist and all that's going to be bigger than any one religion. I don't think he's just going to be a Muslim that makes everybody become Muslim. And if you're not, your head's cut off. I don't think it's just going to be Muslim. I think it's going to be much bigger than that. I think it's going to be all the religions and all the nations. What type of a deception would come that would deceive the entire world? Unless it was something possibly like that. Like something from another world. Think about that for a minute. So I don't know. Christians won't be deceived. The Bible says that the deception, though, will be so strong that even the very elect could be if that were possible. So in other words, something is going to be so deceiving humanity that everybody's going to fall for it except God's elect. And the only reason they won't is because God protects them supernaturally. What type of deception are we looking at? What's going to be told to people? That's going to bring all the religions together. That's going to bring the nations together politically. Again, in this series, I'm dealing with all kinds of crazy, bizarre things that you probably won't hear too many places. But I want you to think about that. And if God shows you something, you know, let me know. But I wonder what is going to deceive the world. What's going to get them to a place to where they're willing to become a one-world government and a one-world religion and a one-world currency? What type of pressure is going to be put on the world? And what type of a deception is coming? What specifically will that be? It says in the Greek that they'll believe the lie, almost like it's something specific. What's going to be said that the world believes? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for a group of people that, that just want to know the truth, that are willing to look at these strange questions and say, well, what does the Bible say about it? And Lord, help us. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that people that did not love the truth were given over to a deception, a delusion, to believe some kind of a specific lie. So, Lord, I thank you that we love the truth. And we want to know the truth. 
And we're not going to shy away from hard questions or strange topics because people want to know. And Lord, I thank you for bringing a great revival in these last days. It's going to be so strong. Lord, the move of your spirit will be greater than any past awakening, any past revival by far that will draw in a supernatural harvest. Lord, that will cause even the hardest hearts, the deepest, darkest places, people others thought would never get saved. Lord, it will save to the uttermost. Lord, that will heal people, that will deliver people from bondages. Lord, that's going to that's gonna baptize people in your fire and will purify a bride and get us ready to meet you in the air because at the, at the end of the day, Lord, we want to be a part of a remnant bride that's ready when you snatch us out of here. We want to be ready to meet you in the air. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word tonight, and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in every life. Let this be sealed and accomplished, that which you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.